somewhere between waking and sleeping. On our journey towards the unfathomable deep, there comes a thin moment where we have one foot in the waking world and the other is in that other world, where we relinquish conscious control. Pausing here, and straddled between two planets that drive one another like gears, the attentive traveller will notice a narrow door, only wide enough to sidle through. This is the border of sleep, where imagination and reality are braided together, a chasm in the crust of consciousness, venting the hot pumice of imagery into the irresistible magma of narrative. Welcome to episode 38 of Stories from the Borders of Sleep, a semi-regular podcast of curious tales from bordersofsleep.com. Featuring original stories by your host, Seymour Jacklin. You can visit bordersofsleep.com for more information or to leave some feedback. Or you can find us on Facebook if you search for Stories from the Borders of Sleep. Artwork is by Robin Trainer, Production by Tim Wiles. And the soundtrack for this week's episode is from Journey into Subconscious by Satori. And that's available from magnitude.com. You can also get this podcast on iTunes. So, if you're ready to journey with me, then I shall begin. Mortal Uncoil by Seymour Jacklin Near the equator, the midday sun is not fit for breathing beings. In temperate places, the darkness of midnight covers the witching hour, but here, in the heat of the sun at its zenith, the veil flickers like the lines of a mirage. Side is sitting like a scorched piece of old driftwood outside his hut in the yellow, hot, sun-washed dust. And the long road goes straight by, dissolving at the quicksilver horizon where the air has melted. Even the flies with their mineral bodies are still but something moves out there, at the edge of vision, seeming to come and go, but steadily coming along the road, a perpendicular black scratch. He's narrowing his eyes at the figure. Like an old lion on the savannah, his white hair halos his dark face like a mane and startles out like leaping flames. He watches the figure. The shape is unresolved, but it comes on. Minutes pass. The only change that marks the time is the irresistible movement of that shadow on the road. Its rhythm. For it seems to walk with a stalking step. Soon, as we might understand soon to mean, next week or in a few moments, it will be close. Sidhe looks down at the scatter of scratched shells and bones between his feet. He reads them. He reads them and he understands them, and he knows this is the hour, the blink of an eye that encompasses the epoch of his life. He does not need to look up again. A small shadow falls into the circle of his vision. It tumbles like a charred piece of debris from a bushfire, a crow with a black head and wings and a white bib and collar, ignoring him. It takes in the pincer of its beak one shell. Then it flickers up and away. Something pulls at his stomach. A sweet, sour sensation spreads from this point inside him. It tugs again, upwards. 
he feels suddenly heavy, aware of his weight going down. He cannot shift his eyes from his legs and hands, framing the remaining bones and shells in the trodden dust. He feels the thing is close. The shadow on the road is close. It is passing by. The tiniest tearing sound. It tears. He watches his black skin crack and curl back along the lines of his body, and under it his sinews are petrified vines. His skin whitens and peels like an old snakeskin. It peels, separating from his body as if it is being dragged off him by an angler's hook. It comes away with his breath. His last dry exhalation fills it and lifts it slightly like a dead leaf in the breeze. Something keeps dragging it away down the road, where the shadow figure went, his old skin, like a lion kill, being hauled away. Dust covers its tracks. Shadows creep out from under the rocks and clumps of grass by the road, and the light eventually grows red. The cigardas begin to pulse like starlight, and night comes. Site sits unmoving outside his hut. All night. Day finds him. Still he sits. He sits and shrivels a little. He feels brittle. He doesn't want to move. The sun races over. The ants scurry on the ground below him. He sees and hears it all, every scratch. He hears the swish of the lizard's tail. There is evening and there is morning. Another day. For days he sits with no strength or desire to move. Who knows? Maybe a week turns over in this way. But one morning he is loosened from his perch. He is shrunken and small and pulled in like a fetus, no bigger than a fetus. The fibres of his body are contracted and as fine as grass. He is a tumbleweed. It's the dry season, but the rains are coming. The wind comes first. The wind comes and it bowls him along down the road to the west. It animates him. The wind is his legs now. He gathers dust. It seems alive to him, this dust that clings to him. He is a community of debris tumbling along the road. The absence of pain is delicious. He bounces over the sharp stones that would have hurt his human feet. He may travel through the day without exhaustion. The wind seems to know his thoughts, where he wants to go. There are people coming up the road towards him in a herd, bleating like goats. Their living bodies seem fat and wet and heavy to him. He knows these people. That's his wife in front of them. She walks bent at the knees and her arms are limp, but he'd know that proud head before he were ever near enough to see her face. And he sees his people. They are bleating and carrying something among them. His wife's lips are pouted in anguish. What are they doing? As he, the wind-blown, meets his people, it comes to him, this is his funeral. The dead weight on their shoulders is his shroud. They are close enough to smell the herd smell of sweat and hot smoke and curdled milk. His wife kicks him. Ha! She kicks me. Even when I'm dead, she still kicks me, ha! And I was only rolling closer to admire her ankles. 
He skids to the roadside and fetches up on a thorn bush, watching the humans go away from him with his shroud. The midday stillness thickens around him. He feels it as the thorn bush feels it, feels it with roots clawed into the soil, squeezing the sand, sucking at it. When evening comes, a fretting wind dislodges him and blows him back the way he came, somewhat. Buffets him off into the rocks and scrub, where a thousand-year-old army of flaking stones is losing to the elements. Between the lengthening shadows he scutters. The rough ground snags at him, breaking little pieces off, concentrating him into a smaller ball. The bare earth is gasping at the sky for rain. There's an overlay of the scent of freshly turned earth crust. He rolls up against a mound of earth he is now too small to go over. It receives him softly. He's resting on the edge of his own grave. He is a fading cinder, hardening to a crystal. Clouds bring the night on quicker. There is thunder in the sky. The sun collapses into the horizon, spreading out like a line of bushfire. The earth sighs a great warm exhalation up towards the falling waters. As the first raindrop strikes him, it bears him down into the ground. He's rushed downward on the flood of a single drop. The grains of earth penetrate. He feels himself go slack, and the lattice of his crystal springs open, then begins to fold inwards on itself, folding and folding smaller and smaller. He keeps falling, for every crack is an infinite chasm. He is smaller than anything that lives. Molecules break his fall, and he comes to rest. He rests at last in a deep gap, too primitive to sustain the illusion of time. No more changing for now. He rests at last. <laughs>